we're back and we're finally being given the academic attention that we've always deserved. Welcome to Hand of Pot. break is, is still very much not over yet, but uh, we're back from our various holidays and whatnot, so hello. I'm Sam Kelly. Um, I'm joined, as usual, by Australian Dan. Hello. And by the wonderful Joel Richards. To the band. Welcome back, Joel. Thank you. Um, we've also got a, a possibly largely silent observer. I've not really decided whether we're going to be asking him any questions later on. We might drag you in. Um, but we are being uh, observed and having notes taken on us by Christian Schwartz. Christian, welcome. Hello, pleasure to be here. Um, who, it, it's going to sound ridiculous, is uh, is writing a university thesis on, on Hand of Pod. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, that's, that's more or less what you said, right? Uh, we, we'll ask you in more detail what you're doing maybe later on and, and explain to the listeners there. Um, the first thing before we do anything else, in, in case uh, those of you who don't follow us on Twitter, don't use Twitter, didn't see my profuse apologies, um, I apologise for the sound quality of the last episode. That, that won't be happening again, even if it means never recording by Skype again. It was. Or, did, you, did either of you listen to it? No. Absolutely fucking terrible. No. Um, I had to clean the oven that day. <laughs> No, I was I was genuinely slightly ashamed. Really? To, uh, to, uh, yeah, it was it was unmissable. It was uh, with Dan and with English Dan and myself on Skype. Yeah, um, and it just didn't work at all. For some reason, I was the one who was cutting out, even though it was recording on my computer. Um, it's very bizarre. But anyway, uh, we've we've all been away for various amounts of time in in various places. I'm been in Mendoza for a week, largely ignoring football. Um, Joel, where else have you been? I've been in Poland. I was over for the Euros for uh, a few weeks, about a month, which was great fun, really good fun. I was doing some agency work. I was covering Portugal, and uh, and so that was that was excellent. And then on the way back, stopped via London, my old stomping ground in Madrid for a couple of days. So all in all, very good. But as you said, it's been a while. If any of you are um, friends with with Joel on Facebook, that's not an invitation for all the pod <laughs> listeners to just friend him on Facebook. But you may have seen a photograph of, of Joel with Cristiano Ronaldo, in which Cristiano very much the second best looking man. <laughs> oh, um, stop! stop. Was, I think the photo captured the moment that Cristiano realised he's not the best looking man in the world. Yeah, <laughs> looking very sad. Uh, Dan, whereabouts have you been? I've been in the the United States. Where you picked up a lovely Argentina zip top, I did, which was cheaper than the ones you can buy here. Um, found nice and designed as well. Yeah, that's very nice. Um, so yeah, we, we will be uh, uh, talking respectively. Joe will be giving us the lowdown on on the euros from the inside. Dan will be telling us what the land of the wire is is really like because he's been not far from Baltimore. And I'll be talking about wine, I suppose, because um, we're not really sure what's been going on in the football. We've been completely oblivious to it, and it's been wonderful. Um, no, a few things have happened since our last recording. Uh, even more stuff, of course, has happened since our last audible, um, listenable recording. So to very quickly recap, uh, for those of you who quite rightly heard the first 30 seconds of the last episode and decided not to bother, um, River Plate have been promoted. That's that's probably... I was actually reminded, and I didn't say it last week, but <laughs> a year ago we were talking um, 
about how who, who's going to remember who the champions of Argentina were when Martin Palermo retired and River Plate were relegated. That, of course, was Bella Southfield. Even fewer people probably are going to remember who the champions of Argentina were when River got promoted back up a year later. Um, Arsenal de Sarandi won the title by two points ahead of Tigre, who, even though they didn't manage to win the title, did manage to stay in the first division with a 2-2 draw against Independiente. Um, that left San Martín and San Lorenzo going into the relegation playoffs and both survived. Um, San Lorenzo beat Instituto very comfortably in the end and San Martín... No mills. No mills. Yeah, I can remember something at least. Um, Did you watch those games? I watched the. Actually, I missed the second leg of the San Lorenzo one because I thought it was kicking off at the same time as the first leg had done, and uh, I was watching one of the Euro semi-finals and then turned over to watch San Lorenzo afterwards, and it was just finishing. Um, No, because I was kind of expecting Central to to go through, but Mm. uh, did you see that game? Saw the first leg. Um, I saw both of the first legs and missed both of the second legs because of stupid kickoff times. Um, and it was very uh, central. San Martin was was pretty even. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to to dig because we're talking what two weeks ago nearly now. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to dig out the the recesses of my memory. Um, but it, it was. Uh, much more even I, I would say Central were possibly slightly fortunate to come away from the first leg uh, with the draw um, but Instituto San Lorenzo just was a complete non-contest yeah. especially compared with what everybody was thinking Instituto spent they, they fell away a little yeah they the definitely last few fell away it's, it's a shame that that happened right? um, well the same goes for, for Central as well I think it's a real shame both for Instituto who played brilliant football Instituto yeah. played the best football of any other club really in the second the, division the Argentine Barcelona is one nickname well, that was being thrown around uh, in the build up to their San Lorenzo tie uh, which for a team in the second division is <laughs> yeah but, but there was a big debate wasn't there last year about whether the football in the second division was actually <clears throat> an improvement on the football being played in the first division you wonder whether that's kind of some of the bigger media corporations kind of wanting to, yeah. to plug the, the river plate angle but um, as I said Instituto played great football so it was a shame for them not to, that they just had a real dip in form but it's interesting though that Central had exactly the same they lost mm. three, three of their f- last four games yeah. and, uh, and again they I su- surprised they didn't manage to score because they've been scoring a lot of goals but at the same time great news for our man Mr Facundo Sava mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely and, and for the, the firefighter or the smoke seller, depending on your opinion of him Ricardo Caruso Lombardi who managed to keep San Lorenzo up um, both of the red headed Good luck, Charles. Yeah, did you see the picture of them? Yeah, yeah, that was together fantastic. Was uh, the, as we talked about a few weeks ago, the little kid who... The ball was, boy. Yeah, the ball boy who was the, the bad luck charm for the other teams. <laughs> it was a fantastic photo of him celebrating with Codos on the And of course, Facundo Sal is a, is a blood knight as well. Absolutely. Um, that left, uh, of course, River and Kilmes also came up um, and were replacing, uh, or will be replaced by in the second division, um, Olimpo, who we mentioned about six months ago got relegated or something absolutely <laughs> dreadful, and Banfield, who become the first team since the Promedios came in to have a championship campaign on their uh, right. on their Promedio uh, points average standing from a couple of years previously when, when they got relegated and they didn't even make the playoffs in the end they, they mm. were so bad it's, it's astonishing right they lost 10 of the last well I say last 15 games yeah. that's basically uh, you know, f- four matches into the season for, yeah. from match day 5 they, they lost the next 10 games yeah. or 10 of the next the, the, the 15 uh, their president quit vice president took over 
and he received death threats. So mm. I think there's elections coming forward, but at the moment I don't think Banfield have got a president, have they? No, I don't think they have. Uh, I don't, probably for the best that they went down as well, because we, as we talked about before as well, um, if they'd stayed up, they would have, it would have been almost yeah, impossible for them to, to stay up beyond next year, because they, they, they would have lost that championship. They would have had like 10 points fewer than Tigre stuff. But weren't we season. saying that about Tigre as well? Yes, well, yeah, but as, I, as I say, Banfield, had, more, yeah. had they stayed up, would have had 10 points fewer. Um, Tigre's... Yeah. Survival was astonishing and, and proved Australian done wrong. Although I almost admire him for sticking right the way through. Well, I knew if I started changing my my view that they would start losing, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to jinx them. But yeah, I, I would gave them virtually no chance at the start of the year. And and my point then was that it's so hard for them to for these smaller teams to put two good uh, campaigns together, Apertura and Clausura. But they did with a little bit of we mentioned that a little bit of luck in it. They, they, their key players never got injured. Mm. Um, but amazing performance for But it's, it's interesting this isn't it Because you look at uh, you said It's an amazing campaign by Arrua Varena the, the coach who's, who's one of the Bianchi boys And Canya Diego Canya Who's just taken over at Estudiantes Also had brilliant seasons at Tigre Was very unlucky Not to win the championship In fact mm-hmm. um, Twice yeah. Uh, so it's interesting just what's going on there at Tigre you know, two of the old Bianchi boys doing extremely well would you I mean, like to just for the benefit of, of some of our listeners shall just explain what a Bianchi boy a is a Bianchi boy <laughs> is one of the it's Bianchi term, it's a technical term for the uh, the, the Boca team obviously uh, coached by um, Carlos Bianchi Boca's world fame really is built on this t- particularly on the 2000s when they won 15 trophies four Copa Libertadores two intercontinentals up at the top pretty much all of it not all but most under Carlos Bianchi and so that team that structure as I said are are players who are now most of them moving into uh, management or are in management some are just retiring um, and Diego Cania holding midfielder for that that side Uh, Barrena was left back Um, but as I said it's interesting they both did very well at Tigre Canya didn't do so well after he moved to Chile. He's now come back to Estudiantes. It'll be very interesting to see what happens to Arrua Barrena to follow that. Um, I think mm. follow his mental He's coming. a real prospect as a coach, isn't he? He's very impressive. Uh, I'm just thinking what the Spanish would be for Bianchi boys. Bianchicos? Perhaps? I think they call him the Bianchi boys. The Los Bianchi boys. Okay. Really? <laughs> <laughs> they will now, anyway. Now that... Stay booed on handball. We, 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 yeah, 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 exactly. we, we know that most of the main media movers and shakers in Argentina listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, so don't be surprised to, to hear about it. Um, we've not yet mentioned, we, we've only really brushed over Arsenal's title win. Um, God knows Arsenal aren't Pod's favourite Argentine football club for reasons that we have gone into in the past. But uh, on the pitch, Joel's making faces. I'm defending here before, and I'm going to do it again. I'm, yep, I know. And, and in fact, English Dan and I uh, did uh, more or less uh, the same thing last week as well. But Joel, this is your uh, real pet subject. So. Well, no, yeah, I said it's just um, it is an it's a really it's a, if not a unique case really in the world, isn't it? First of all. Uh, a federation president who's been in power for so long, such as Julio Grondona, and then the fact that that federation president founded a club that then makes it way makes its way into the first division. So it is very unique, and of course there are going to be lots of rumours and lots of talk and, and what have you about if the decision goes their way. Um, they won the Sudamericana a couple of years ago, and there was lots of moaning about that. And essentially, it's a very small club, very small budget, and they didn't do particularly well this year. It was just a very poor season. They've got the second. Only Newell's in 2004 had a lower points mm-hmm. uh, total and won the title. So I think that points to another thing that you know everyone's saying, "Oh, Arsenal win, it's a disgrace." And 
sure maybe a lot of people don't aren't too happy with it but they weren't that spectacular yeah but they just kept it going all the other teams fell down Boca, Newells, Vélez all slipped at some stage and they just kept it going so as I said I think Gustavo Alfaro I, I really rate him as a coach I think he does, he's done a great job he's got a couple of really good players and I think fair enough to them and we've got Lissandro Lopez scoring your goals. Well, exactly, uh, exactly. And, and Guillermo Borriso is excellent in the air. Yeah, possibly the best, best centre-back pairing in there. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Really. Yeah, we should clarify, exactly. Lissandro Lopez is no relation to the national team striker uh, of the same name. He's a centre-back who scores probably more goals than any other centre-back in, in world football. Well, he was, he was, he was uh, up for FIFA's goal of the goal season. Of the, he uh, was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with, with probably a, should have won it. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a decent, good, decent yeah. effort. Um, the, the other major thing that has happened since myself and English Dan recorded uh, that dreadful episode uh, for a couple of weeks ago. Um, You're going to have to listen now, actually. Yeah. I'll, I'll do. Good luck making any of that, <laughs> seriously. Um, is that uh, Boca Juniors um, played in the, the Copa Libertadores final, drew 1 1, were held in the first leg in La Bombonera. Um, with a goal from his first ever touch in the Copa Libertadores from Jomarinho am I saying that correctly Christian? yeah Yeah. I don't speak Portuguese so I'm always happy when I can pronounce the name right Um, who is not Jomarinho's son Uh, there's another Jomarinho who is also who is Romario's son who's moving to Barcelona isn't he? they've they've I read something saying that he'd been signed he's he's 18 and this Jomarinho is 20 21 um came off the bench fairly late on with, with Boca leading 1-0 um, and got the equaliser with his first touch two minutes later and it was his fourth ever appearance for Corinthians and his first ever in the Copa Libertadores so that was impressive for him they were happy with that draw um, they then a week and a half ago on Wednesday uh, night beat Boca 2-0 two goals from Ems. Emerson, thank you. Yeah, Emerson Sheik, as he's yeah. known in Brazil after spending a few years in the Middle East, um, to to win their first Copa Libertadores. Boca, of course, failed to uh, draw level with Independiente um, on seven as the most successful side in, in the tournament. Um, on which note, by the way, happy anniversary to, to Independiente. It's 100 years today since they played their first ever Primera División match. Um, and then Juan Román Riquelme decided to, uh, that he couldn't have Corinthians stealing the limelight after the match by... Uh, with, with news of their celebrations so decided that he was going to completely overshadow the, the trophy winning team by announcing that he's leaving Boca Juniors um, that's probably the biggest um, story in Argentine football uh, for the last uh, of the last week and a half or so that, uh, it's still being discussed now how Boca are going to, to replace him and so on um, and how much uh, did like, you guys pick up on from where you were um, I mean, getting back, yeah, that's I, I haven't really been put back into it yet and reading a lot about everything, but yeah, obviously the Raquelme story has been you know, the one that you see on the front pages, and then it led to demonstrations of, of um, well, I don't know, 6,000 people outside the Momonera, and mm. apparently like 16 around the country at the same time, and calling for... There was, there was one in Mendoza, yeah. <laughs> while I was there. Calling for Roman to, to stay, but uh, yeah, that was, I kind of caught half of the Libertadores I think and so yeah yeah well now they're talking aren't they about uh, retiring the number 10 shirt there's also talk about um, pretty severe discontent with Julio Falcioni the, the Boca coach um, Falcioni's a little bit like Raquel me 
in so much as whenever there's a problem, the papers always bring out their long list, or not so long, but their list of a very public falling mm-hmm. out with, with other other people. So the whole thing is that, you know, is that the reason why it's gone? Um, and it, it, the pressure is coming under Falcioni <coughs> so much that uh, one man in particular is being fated as the possible next manager of Boca Juniors. Uh, God knows that I, as a River Plate fan, would love it if he were to be given the job. Uh, Diego Maradona, former Al Wassel coach, who's, who's recently been sacked. Um, there was a poll recently asking Boca fans whether they would like him as, as their manager. An enormous 68% of them said no. Um, so 68% of Boca Juniors fans have brains, it turns Well, obviously, Maradona taking over as the Boca coach would, would be put an end, absolute yeah, end to any possibility of Raquel coming back. Mm. After Riquelme yeah, uh, retired from the the national team when Maradona was uh, was the coach, and particularly saying we don't have the same quality, also we don't have the same code, so that would be. But there were there were with this about Riquelme, and this is the you know, the level to which it's occupied the the, 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 the space and the radios and the papers. You know, there's talk about him even going to to Rosario Central because Miguel Angel Russo mm. is coach there. They get him mm. very well. But then there was another rumor going that Basile was going to be brought into uh, Boca just so that Rick Elmy could be convinced to come back. So, you know, this one, as you said, it's been the last week and a half and you can see it running for a little bit longer. Lanus, maybe. Guillermo Barroschelotto's the manager there now. I thought I saw him saying today that he wouldn't play in Argentina. No, that's, that seems to be the... the um, Brazil maybe would seem the, the most likely. Seen, right? Brazil or Mexico are looking yeah. the most likely at this stage. Well, before the Copa Libertadores, there was a story that Batista had spoken to him. Batista, of course, uh, yeah, currently China, coaching yeah. uh, Didier Drogba over in uh, Genoa. And, and in Gio China, Moreno. And Gio Moreno, of course. So, uh, I mean, who, who wouldn't want to see Gio Moreno well, next to Raquel? Yeah, well, Drogba one thing is, just in front. One thing is, as, as, I, as I understood it, I, I saw several people mentioning when that was first being thrown around that in the league that Shanghai Genoa play in their limited to three foreigners and they've yeah. already got Drogba and Elka and, and Gio um, yeah, as well as the Sergio Batista managing them you'd think they were hamstrung I think Conco was going to leave though wasn't he? that would still leave them with three foreigners though because oh. yeah. he'd make four um, he's moving possibly back to Brazil Dario Conca I'm not sure um, have you heard anything Christian? no you're a, a man in, in Brazil <laughs> for this episode um there, yeah, there, there was talk about about Conca leaving. I think it was to free up the space for for probably Moreno, um, since he came in after Drogba and, and Anelka. Um, what else do we have to to cover since the the last episode, guys? Well, at River, there's been there's the big there's the the aftermath of promotion. Absolutely. Uh, yesterday yeah. there was a Banderasso and the big well Banderasso was really for putting support of the team, but it, this was an anti Daniel Daniel anti Daniel Passarella. Uh, Movement get together, politically charged, motivated uh, organisation. But um, but obviously there, there's the big story that Charlie Dominguez and and Fernando Cavanaghi have both been well not had their contracts renewed, yeah. which at one point seemed was impossible that it wasn't going to happen. The only obstacle it seemed was going to be just money, particularly with Charlie Dominguez who has a contract with Valencia. Matias Almeida, who's been has been ex- had his contract extended. That's the, manager, has, uh, the coach uh, has said that he doesn't. He doesn't. He wants it, the team to go in a different direction. Really, he's, he said he wants more pace in the team surrounding David Tressinger up front. Which, um, from a footballing point of view, and given that the transition back to the Primera isn't going to be just plain sailing, it's not as if other teams are just going to welcome them back with open arms and then lay down and let them win every match. Um, I think makes sense, um, particularly since it. At this stage, looks as if we're going to be keeping um, Lucas Ocampos for the moment, 
and Ezequiel Sirigliano although Campos might be moving there's talk of a 15 million euro bid from Lazio I want to say for some yeah Napoli have been, in, Napoli been, been no I think but Lazio have been linked as well but this is the thing um, he's now been I think totally in total he's probably been linked with 20 clubs yeah. like, quite, and quite seriously linked yeah. if going on the report so he's, he's, he had an absolutely storming um, performance over three matches in the, the quadrangular tournament that was played recently in, in San Luis between uh, the under 20 sides of Argentina Brazil Chile and, and Uruguay um, that was won by Brazil but Argentina finished second and Ocampos was one of the players of the tournament um, where was he playing? there were a lot Opposition. of scouts there I'm not sure um, I didn't manage to watch any no because uh, the reason I ask is because obviously Paul yeah, Revy played on, on, the, on the left hand side naturally he's a striker and, and this is the thing with Kavanagh and Chodimir's leaving there's talk that Ocampos mm. will play up front but you never know I think River have really bought themselves a massive problem here though because they could very easily have said we're going to hold on to the two of them they can't hold on to Chodi Dominguez because Valencia have, still have him on the contract yeah. and want money for him so that's immediately getting rid of one of them and then with Kavanagh it's tricky but yeah. do you think there's anything is there anything else behind it is, it, is he not well, getting like, the last, last six months Kavanagh uh, fell off majorly after Trezeguet was brought in but there's always stuff going on behind the scenes especially because they have problems with Almeida yeah, it seems to be more with Passarella from what I've seen, Joel. No, they, they, they gave an interview yesterday um, on with Alejandro Fantino, who is yeah, an incredible... I mean, it was, he, he is... Uh, no, he, the interview was brilliant. He got so much out of them. I mean, he's, you know, he's, a, he's a real showman. He, he does the, the Sunday night show the football, which is which for quite a long time never showed any football at all. Um, you know, it, it's just a, a shout-a-thon on Sunday night. But, it, I mean, it's great value. And... And anyway, he's uh, he's he's been around for ages. He, he um, commentated Boca games when he was like 25. Mm. Did the whole season. Anyway, he had them on his show last night, and yeah, basically between the the, the, the president, but according to them, because obviously there's always there's always two sides to everything. But according to them, Passarella and Almeida, uh, there was just a, lo- a lot of going on there. Mm-hmm. They weren't no, that. Their bottom line is that from the very start, they didn't want them to join. River didn't want them, right. and, and that it was more that. The, the players themselves Cavanaghi and Chori Dominguez basically said I want to come back I'll come back for any money so after, it's after uh, which it becomes very difficult for the directors to say no we don't want a club legend back at the club in, well, in well exactly so. but, but you know this is funny because River Plate fans are all up in arms and to an extent rightly so because Chori Dominguez and Cavanaghi two high profile players who came back and helped the club but I mean let's not forget two match days ago River, the whole, not the whole Monumental, but large sections of the Monumental were booing them mm. after a game that they didn't win. So, you know, it's very easy for River fans to now get all upset and say, ah, oh, the, the clubs treat them disgracefully. But there are River Plate fans as well who, yeah. who weren't always supporting them. So I think that's, you know, it's, there's, um, it's very easy now to say, ah, oh, you know, this, this, the current uh, president or the coach are, are acting in a way that is, is, is disgracing the former idols. But, yeah, I think there's a, there's a little bit more to it than yeah, and yes. well, a very important signing for them is is uh, Barovero, the, yeah. the goalkeeper, yeah. which it looks like he's being confirmed uh, today, which um, which will be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about it before we came on, but yeah, one of the best goalkeepers in the in the continent probably, and and also Mercado, who yeah might give them a bit of pace on the on the on flank. Right, right back was one of the positions that River would really. Um, there was a, a debate between whether it should be Christian Vela, um, Vesha, however or not you, you pronounce that double L when it's a surname, um, or Luca, Luciano, Luciano, Abacasis. Mm-hmm. Um, Mercado is is a step up 
on either one of them, um, as well as the Estudiantes right back. Um, you can also play, you play anywhere on the right, playing as a forward yeah. almost, as a midfielder. And, and, and it's now, you, you think, you've got two more players to come in, because what Almeida said is that he wants one player for each of the lines um, off the pitch, which means there should, there should be a midfielder and a forward uh, still to come in. The Mercado one's quite controversial, according to the River Plate fans as well. Like on Twitter, they were again going crazy because Abacasis is basically being allowed to leave. Um, but this is the same thing. Abacasis is very young he hasn't got European clubs after him mm. so you know he's got a lot of potential but there's the feeling at River that there's a big sell-on value there so if he's if he moves on as it seems he's, he's going to do to Independiente um, or indeed anywhere else um, that again is, is quite controversial but I'm with you guys on this one I think Mercado's a really good buy mm. yeah. um, one other uh, returning returnee for River River have got a few players coming back from loan I think it's six or seven in total uh, two of them have, have been causing uh, some excitement first of all Manuel Lancini who didn't exactly light up Brazil's Serie A last season um, but who, who did do well and a couple of my friends in Brazil have told me he, he sort of he did well not not as well as expected, but he did have a good season, um, and he's he's looking to be challenging for a, a starting role now in the sort of role just in behind the strikers, I guess, where Chori Domingos was playing for a lot of last season. Um, the other is Ariel Ortega, uh, who skipped the first training session um, a few days ago and, and came out and said that he was doing it for the benefit of the club because uh, he didn't want to be a weight around anybody's neck. Um, he knows that he still has has his own problems to sort out, and he doesn't want the club to to feel like they've got to play him the whole time or to look after him or whatever. Um, it's looking from what I was told by somebody just before we came to record, like he could be on the way to Chile at this stage, but we'll see. Um, it's impossible to know what River are going to do with Ortega. He's currently playing. He's currently playing a few farewell matches. The two of the River Plate players were allowed to go and take part in these games up in up in the north. I think this one's in Jujuy, but there's going to be another one in. in, in, in exactly. There's going to be another one in Salta. Um, but as he said, um, there was a um, uh, Ortega was offered a, a role at, at River Plate, but in the backroom staff. So um, yeah, that, that's where the, the problem there is, particularly in terms of he feels he. Maybe want to still play another year. Yeah, um, and and really, who who better could you think of to to train young players in in the ways of being a professional than Ariel Ortega? Uh, why on earth have they not wanted to give him that job? <laughs> no comment. That was sarcasm. In case anybody felt to pick up on it, if you're listening. Um, what else do we do we have to discuss, guys, before we move on to questions? We're, we're trying to desperately rack our brains about what there is. Uh, Kilmes, Kilmes have also come up. What, what have they done in the transfer market? Tumbleweed blows across the hand of Pod Studio, uh, and as we get an idea of just how much the that was a really good, that was a brilliant piece of coaching though by Omar Felipe because mm. he took over a side that was already pretty very close to to, to winning direct promotion, but not quite. Mm. There was a big problem there when Ricardo Caruso Lombardi left. Uh, it wasn't an easy job to take on. There was a lot of pressure. There's a lot of responsibility at Kimmes. Obviously, there's there's political interest there as Anibal Fernandez is the. Uh, was the chairman, president, um, who is uh, who is he's now a, chief of well, he's senator now, isn't he? He's moved, he's moved up, but yeah, he was very important um, and in, in sort of in, in in Argentine politics. But uh, Omar de Felipe took over there and got them playing 
very well, very quickly, and he said to, to earn direct promotion when mm. you had Central, when you had Central and, and Instituto ahead of him. Yeah, well, there was, there was a fantastic. huge gap between mm. Kilnes and Areta. Like, we weren't even, yeah, they were about five behind with something like four games to play. Well, even before that, they were quite a way behind, and we weren't even thinking of them as, as a possible, you know, direct promotion candidate. Mm. But mm. Yeah, they managed to do it in the end. Um, they have signed Ismail Kiles, who's uh, uh, from Colón, who's a defender, isn't it? Um, which which would be good. And the other signing that they well, made. he's been touted for a while, hasn't he? As one of the the upcoming fullbacks. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, at Colón is slightly well, the wind's slightly gone gone out of the sails. There, I think under Batista, certainly there was a lot of talk about him getting a, hmm. getting a call up. But um, but there was a lot of potential there, so maybe be a good move for him. Absolutely. Uh, the other signing, I can't see the name up on that page, so well brush over it for now it's only Kielmas after all they, they don't count because they're not one of the big two in medium terms um, Racing we, we've not got any Racing fans here for uh, I don't think quite the first time on hand the problem is certainly unusual with it could be the first time I don't think we've ever not had Dan and Seba maybe hmm you might be right actually yeah um so what Racing have, have done, of course, uh, Luis Subeldia is, is now trying to create his team uh, after struggling through the, the a large part of the Clausura. Um, Looks like he's getting rid of... aware that he was going to have to chop and change a lot during this winter break when he when he got to this stage. Getting rid of Toranzo, I heard, and uh, Santander, the Paraguayan. Yep, Toranzo's gone. Um, but reuniting with Pepe Sand, Jose Sand, uh, okay. who uh, obviously knows from Lanús. Um, I don't think he was... No, as well, he wasn't a coach when they won the title, no, but, but, he, but, he, but he was the assistant, exactly. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they know each other very well. And Sand, I mean, before, obviously, before when he earned that move to um, to the Middle East, he was scoring goals for fun, wasn't he? So That's could, a huge could be. figure at Van North, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Agustin Pechettieri's come in as well. Um, he, he already was that. Yes. I'm very confused now. <laughs> <laughs> Because we were talking about Lanús, and he's also played at Lanús, hasn't he? Um, he has. Please tell me he has. Yes, uh, Diego Bichat, that's the midfielder I was, I was talking about, thinking of. Because whilst I was in Mendoza, um, on the very last day of my trip before I got the coach home to Buenos Aires, I did pick up one of the local newspapers. Um, and Godoy Cruz, they're going to have a major uh, rethink to do in the couple of weeks between now and the start of the season. Uh, the three weeks, in fact, or three and a half weeks between now and the start of the season. Because um, they've lost the three first choice midfielders uh, Diego Bichab who, who if you're used to watching uh, internet streams or on TV um, in your home countries of, of Argentine football is the one who looks very much like Jesus um, and plays quite a lot like him as well in, in the opinions of you know, a great many fans of bearded footballers um, he's moving to Racing from Godoy Cruz Nicolás Almeida is expected to go to Boca fairly shortly and Ariel Rojas is quite probably going to move to River um, at some point and even if not is expected to, to move on elsewhere that's quite an interesting case there with, with, with Rojas because River owe Godoy Cruz money for Carlos Sanchez mm. but River are saying they owe money by Malaga for Diego Buonanotti which is the money that they would use to to pay Godoy Cruz first for Sanchez and then for, for Rojas so it's an interesting sort of uh, mm. interesting, interesting that Malaga don't seem to be able to afford to pay for players well, in one go given e- exactly, their own well. exactly that's why it's quite a strange case and actually there's talk I, I don't think it's going to go there but I mean last week they were talking about going to FIFA over this mm. so there's wow. you know, it's quite a it's, it's strange that as you said obviously Malaga club with a fair bit of cash yeah 
um, Independiente over on the uh, I was half going to say the other side of Abbechanada but it's really very much the same side of Abbechanada <laughs> just down the road um, have signed Vitor Zapata from Venice who could be a really good uh, signing and playmaker Paolo Rosales from Unión de Santa Fe as well so they're strengthening in, in fairly important places given how dreadful they were um, during the, the Clausura they're very upset aren't they with Mario Volatti who oh yeah pulled out Thomas of the uh, well just uh, Christian Diaz the, the coach basically gave an interview yesterday saying that or well this week at least saying that if you don't want to come if you want a certain amount of money then you should just say that and so it seems like there's been a few other things going there because at one stage it seemed like Bolatti had signed it was just about done and as I said they've pulled out since so um, I'm not quite sure what's going on there if there's an issue with Internacional obviously where is that in, um, in Brazil but I said Bolletti was close and I don't yeah. think he would be a great buy for for any of the clubs that, that can get him. I didn't know about the Zapata move and I actually think that'll um I actually think that'll benefit Velez because I know he's a lot of people like him but I, I actually never liked him uh, and I I think there's other players in the, in a Velez midfield who can do better than him and he's, he's, he's a, if any club has, has got the the resources already in their squad to lose a player yeah central well I think he sort of plays the, the defensive midfield role but the, the guy who, who starts all the all the plays or you know a passing defensive midfielder I just don't think he's very good at the passing part of it uh, he gives the ball he gave the ball away a lot uh, so I think somebody like somebody like uh, Cantero coming in or one of these other guys that they've got uh, will do a better job of it than him and we might see a more fluid Velez side this year well yeah. the big question there isn't it is how they deal with with the departure of uh, Burrito Martinez yeah of course he's one Corinthians we, we haven't mentioned um, for I was saying to Dan before we started recording just before you turned up Joel um, I'm quite surprised by how little how, how low the transfer is three million dollars for half of his 50% of his economic rights doesn't seem like much to me considering what a good player is um but we'll see. We'll, we'll, you have to assume that, uh, that if he's moving to Corinthians, if he gets any kind of playing time, he's going to go on for considerably more um, yeah. than that if, if he does well. Uh, Independiente have also lost Julian Velasquez, I've just seen, for, to Genoa for three and a half million euros. Um, it's goodbye. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's really and a big really? for Independiente. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, whose defence was bad enough last season? Yeah, yeah. Now got Gabriel Milito as there. Yeah, very, very good. Up and coming centre back. Yeah, um, yeah, just just to piss on your children. Well, uh, Melita, who's yeah. who's gone? Has he? He's retired. Of course he has. Sit in there. Yes, but that, but I, I may have mentioned already on this episode, <laughs> readers, that we're desperately trying to remind ourselves of what's been going on, and this is exactly the kind of moment that we want. Gabriel Melito's retired. Um, uh, the others, Esteban Fuertes, is retired, and and that other one. They're done. He, yeah, <laughs> not a very well-known player in Ashford. Quite a lot of the other also. Jeremy, you had something to say before I embarrass uh, myself. No, 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 no. I hadn't heard the, the money that was involved for Julian Velázquez mm. going to Genoa. I think it's great, but I don't know. Mm. That, I, I'm not sure if they've got all the 100% transfer rights of him, but, um, or if that's paying for the 100% of him. But um, but either way, I think it's an excellent advice. A young centre-back just... Just ticks all the right boxes. Yeah, it's all strong. He's been doing well for a few years. It's been excellent last couple of years. So um, for three point five million, it's very good. Goodbye. Absolutely. Um, our fernet is running low in our glasses, and our memories and uh, <laughs> of what else to pick up on are also starting to run low. And we're, we were planning on dedicating 
the large part uh, of the second half of this pod to to your questions, uh, dear listeners, because there have been quite a few. So we're now going to put the microphone down. We're going to run out for a bit more Coca-Cola to top our glasses up with, uh, because drinking Fernet neat is possible but not pleasant. Um, and we should be back shortly for the second half, so don't go anywhere. We're going to um, give ourselves over now to to Hunter Pod's listeners, um, who've asked some fantastic questions on during the, the two week rest that you've had from having to put up with our witterings. Um, we're going to ask the first one uh, very quickly from Lepra Granata because um, it's interestingly hashtagged. Let's say. Uh, an unorthodox approach to to the technique of the Twitter hashtag. Just I don't think he gets Twitter. Writing the, the hashtag and then not putting any words after it. Um, but Lepra Granata asks uh, to DC, which could mean District of Columbia, or it could mean Dan Colasimone. Mm-hmm. Um, how, what surprised you most about the United States gastronomically and with reference to its unique sporting culture? Also, read both food and sports. What disappointed you, Mr. Colasimone? Gastronomically, I don't think it was a surprise, but I, the food was excellent. Uh, you get a lot more variety than you get in Argentina, so I just ate an incredible amount uh, and went down to. Charleston, so I had some of the southern food, which was just that's, fantastic. That's like saying that you get more variety of <laughs> colours in the landscape than in Antarctica, though, right? Well, <laughs> if, if you want to put it that way, Sam. What was the most exciting thing that you found in the States that you couldn't get here? Um, I just bought I bought back that... Um, what's that hot sauce called? The one with the rooster on it? Sri Rapture. Yeah, I brought back some of that. And, uh, what's look, that? I'm looking forward to trying some of that. Actually, I, if I can pimp some I'll show you in a minute. Right. Sounds really, really good. Hot sauce is so good that the, the guy who writes the oatmeal wants dedicated the comic to super... Yeah. Um, um, disappointing gastronomically, no, I had, I had some fantastic sandwiches and hamburgers and stuff and so I can't I don't think I had any bad meals <laughs> the pizza probably wasn't oh, there you go, that pizza. much variety <laughs> those were my lunches I had some like wonderful uh, tapas and, and Greek food and I was fantastic I'm, I'm already yeah. missing it and, and sporting you, you went to a baseball game went to a baseball game that was fun it was um, really yeah why why did I, I said this because I went to a baseball game in Cuba uh, at the beginning of the year and um, it's just it's slower than cricket I, I was going to say the exact opposite I was going to say I think it was I was expecting it to be wow. slightly more boring than cricket but, well, I, I love cricket but uh, I, I thought it was going to be slower but I thought it was uh, slightly faster than cricket maybe it seemed that way anyway yeah. um, that was fun um, it's, what surprised me was that well I was there I was in the States eight years ago and during the Euros as well I found it really tough to find anywhere to watch them in bars and so forth but this uh, it surprised me how how much attention they were paying to it. Like I was watching Sports Center every every morning, and they, were, they would at least mention the, the games, um, even if some of the commentators perhaps didn't seem to know what they were talking about. But um, the coverage—that's that's not much different to BBC and ITV. Well, no, the, like the coverage during the games was good. They had uh, Balak and, and so forth, and and then and going into bars and stuff to watch it. There was like big, lots of people, big crowds watching the games, and it was, well, that's what surprised me. I think. 
and disappointments sporting? Um, no. Disappointments sport. <laughs> I guess I guess it was a bit harder to find the um, the South American football. Mm. Had to kind of stream that unless you had some sort of uh, packages on your on your cable, but uh, that that would yeah that was hugely disappointing. I'm missing out on the the wire tour due to the timing of your. Yeah, I wouldn't call that a, a sporting so much. But no, no, but just a general. And not not so much due to timing, it's due to my girlfriend not wanting to drive to Baltimore in her car and drive to the no, ghetto. No sense of priorities whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, we're now going to go up and, and sort out the the properly hashtagged questions. Um, thank you for that one. Lepra, we've got a few more from you actually later on. Um, Dan Williamson asked uh, a few days ago. Um, he's moving to Cordoba in three weeks, which is probably now more like two and a half weeks. And he says, please can you tell me about the state of football there, teams, derbies, stadiums, tickets, etc. Um, well, there are three main teams, Tacheres, who are now down in Argentino A, I think they are, uh, which is the regionalised third division. Um, Instituto, who we've talked about already earlier on who've just failed to come up to the first division and Belgrano of course who were in the first division the team that relegated River a year ago um, so those are your teams derbies are when any of the three of them <laughs> play each other which won't be happening unless it happens in the Copa Argentina of course um, although Belgrano do Belgrano have a Clásico from Santa Fe or San Juan or somewhere I'm not sure um, possibly but I don't think so uh, stadiums, Dan. You've been to Cordoba. You went during Las Copa America, so you're far more qualified than I am. Well, they've got the the Mario Kempa Stadium, which is fantastic. Uh, and it was awesome atmosphere. Uh, they kind of put some of the other cities to shame when when Argentina played there. That's that's where yeah. Belgrano tend to play most of their matches. Yeah, yeah. They swap it around, don't they? But I know they swap it around. Also, played a few. Yeah, yeah. I think all of them are kind of yeah. Um, I would also mention that it's a it's a great like a lot of the re- the regional areas is a great producer of, of players that, like obviously Kempers and Pastorius from there and I don't know you can think of any others. But. Uh, I can't, but you're right. It is yes, off the top of our heads after after a glass and a half of fun, it's, it's a little more difficult, especially when your brain's not fully in gear with thinking about football after a week and a half off. Um, Tickets-wise, I can't imagine it's going to be any harder to get a ticket for a Belgrano. Pretty sure you can rock up to the, to the ground and, and just buy them, yeah. Um, and, yeah, other than the football, it's also Argentina's centre uh, of Fernet, which, um, as we all know, is, is probably the more important cultural mm-hmm. um, contribution that it makes to the country. Um, okay, scanning you can visit up this column now. Chair's house as well. Che Guevara's house. Uh, of course, yeah. Uh, I've been to his birthplace in Rosario, but I've yeah. got to Cordoba yet. Um, I presume that when you went to Cuba, you saw the house he stayed in just across the bay from Havana, John? I didn't make it across the bay, no. Oh, wow. You, you missed out. It's I didn't make it. I did it's really something. It's oh, okay. Fantastic. Thanks for telling me this <laughs> as a must-see six, I'd, six I'd, months I'd after going. I'd tell you to go to a Ray Club before you went out there. Um, <laughs> I don't think he enforced the, the, the importance of going over there as uh, quite as, as much as he could have done. But it's okay, it's okay. That's always next time. <laughs> exactly. He's exactly. on that I think go to Santa Clara. It's all the mausoleum. Oh, okay. Yeah. Excellent. Um, this is a very disjointed podcast this week, isn't it? Uh, Mike O'Neill, ZUC82, asks who are Boca going to look to to provide the creativity now that Raquel May has done a bunk new signing on the horizon? Well, yeah, we got a few questions along that line. Whether he will be replaced, who's going to replace him? It's stupid to try and replace him directly, really, because there's nobody in 
uh, arguably world football who does the same job as right. a so. Um, I would say he, they probably won't try and pl- replace him directly, uh, and like we've seen that Passione is comfortable with a you know like four four two formation. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. If, I, I would. I think they would benefit from bringing in another creative type deep lying midfielder to go along with um, what's his face. Salosa. No. The vegetable. Um, Erviti. Erviti. Well, I imagine Erviti. Well, I was in, thinking Erviti in, in, like in, in, in the immediate. Um, well, basically the next couple of weeks, Aviti uh, will be pushed forward because that's the role he did at Banfield right. in Falcione's title-winning side. So, I mean, that would be the, the the initial one. But as you said, first of all, it's impossible to replace Raquel me. And secondly, the question is whether Falcione really wants that kind mm. of player or not. There's, there's a, there is a player in the youth team set up at Boca who's, who's everyone is very excited about, Leandro Paredes. Paredes. Mm. And I think it's a bit soon for him to be honest to be pushed in but he may start getting time under Falcioni there's exactly. a, lot of, a lot of youth team but he's like 17, 18, yeah exactly I was going to say but, and it also looks like they're going to get rid of uh, Pochi Chavez so who was the, the backup yeah. for Ricardo yeah. so he's obviously not that concerned about it Falcioni so yeah we may see him not you know or using Erviti as slightly advanced or on, but the, I, yeah. on the plus side for Boca they're losing Pablo Melcher um <laughs> Which which can't be an entirely bad thing for them because you wouldn't expect him to repeat the short season he's just had uh, again. Well, you never know. Has he gone? Has he gone? He's not gone yet. He's looking very much like he's, he's on his way. He, he said himself, right? Like fallen out with the board as much as anything else. They're, they're getting a bit fed up with the fact that he's constantly um, comparing himself to Lionel Messi. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous little man. Um, <laughs> Luis Bessone, Lepra Granata, again, asks us a couple. Um, good grief, he's, he's asked, us a, he has asked us a lot of questions, hasn't he? The first one, if Arsenal de Sarandi score a goal and no one's there to see it, does a game official still still point to the centre circle? I think the question there is if well, the game official sees it. Uh, I mean, if, no, if there's yeah. literally no one there, I guess <laughs> the game official isn't there to point to the centre circle. If, if it's, it, it could be... If like, there's just uh, small attendance. Like, like Sweden's goal against England a, a few weeks ago, where everybody sees it, apart from the game official. Um, and, and even then the answer is no um, Lepra also asks happy Maxi's back with Newell's old boys who of course are the team that Luis supports he'll do what he's asked to do where Tata Martino asks him to do it your thoughts on Maxi Rodriguez's anticipated contribution I think he's going to be much more effective for Newell's than he was for Liverpool and not only because he's playing in a weaker league for an arguably better team I mean comparatively I don't mean that New York can beat Liverpool <laughs> <laughs> no I think it's, it should be fantastic I mean in terms of uh, we've, we've talked about how that side didn't have any amazing you know, standout players really um, so somebody like him just for his experience and leadership qualities and you know drive forward he should be a the next logical step is that they managed to convince Lionel Messi to come back and play. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think that should be Maxi's first task, really. Yeah. Is to talk to Messi. That might, might be what they're thinking. They, they bring him back and I hope that, you know, a couple of years down the line when Messi's pretty washed up, he talks him <laughs> into coming back and joining. Yeah, when he's a washed up 28 year old. <laughs> with nothing more to, to win in Europe. Um, I think um, the, uh, people are, uh, quite a few people are surprised that Maxi's done this. I mean, I, I saw someone yesterday. Um, and said, "Oh, see, Rodriguez just come back, and thought, like, what the one who scored that amazing goal in the World Cup mm. against Mexico? I mean, he's a brilliant player who didn't really 
do so well at Liverpool to say but I think yeah. he's, well, he's, he's he seems to be doing well but he just wasn't given chances yeah, to play yeah, he's exactly. scored, he scored a lot of goals when he and, and I think he's an incredibly sort of loyal person he's someone who's it's for him it's very important to come back to Newell's I mean when he he, he spent a few years off at Atletico Madrid where he was fantastic and he was bawling his eyes out in his press conference when he yeah, left there yeah. so he's someone who who, who very much uh, places a lot of importance on the place on, on, on the club that he's at. I think he felt a similar attachment to Liverpool to a lesser extent. But um, as he said, in terms of the, the step up in quality, going from, he's going from the Premier League. He's still in great form mm. to come over to, to, to play in the Argentine first division. Okay. Be, be a major, major, major signing. The next question that we have to um, to put to you then, Joel, in particular, because you've just said this, but just stick it out there generally. Is, is, is he going to be able to have a similar impact to, say, Seba Veron when he came back for Estudiantes or, or Riquelme when he came back to Boca? You'd have to think that being that much further from the kind of footballing centre of things, it, it seems less likely somehow at Newell's than it would do at one of the big five, let's say. Well, but two things there. Riquelme and Veron both came back and their influence was to win the Copa Libertadores. Yeah. So whether or, not Newell's, which, whether or not Newell's can win the Copa Libertadores in the next three years or not, <laughs> it is, is, I mean, it's not beyond the realms of... Well, I mean, it's quite far from well, from what we can expect. Yeah. I mean, the qualification, not not so. Mm. But to go on and win it, when you look at the, I mean, Newell's have no money whatsoever. Um, Martino, Tata Martino was talking about this this week. He's they're they're banking on the gambling on selling players, so they're bringing new players for the squad. Um, but they have to sell. Um, so in terms of winning the Libertadores, it's, it's very difficult. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Maxi given a more central role. I mean, obviously we're used to him as a wide player, but given what he brings to the, to the squad yeah. and, and not just football in terms this is what this is Veron, Riquelme mm. and Maxi Rodriguez Cavanaghi and Dominguez at, at River it's all the same thing it's the leadership it's the experience it's yeah. the quality so I could see him doing a very good job in the middle for, for Newell's why not? Absolutely um, Lepra Granata asks another question um, how are the people reacting to the AFA's latest crap the championship game which will be coming in from next season um I'll very quickly just give our listeners, our other listeners, some some background on this. As from the current uh, the season that's going to be starting at the start of August, the um, the league will have a a complete overhaul and a vastly different um, format. Uh, at least this is what everybody in Argentina seems to think. It's actually going to be again two short championships, and the winner of each plays in in a, I think it's a one-off uh, final match. So there will only be one champion um, per season. From, from this coming season onwards as opposed to, to under the old system um, the media are portraying this as, as the end of the short championships which of course as I've just hinted it isn't at all um, the people as far as I can see aren't really reacting to it at all I don't think they will until it actually gets to the point where where the, the torneo inicial which is going to be the new name for the apertura ends and the winners of it don't get given the trophy because they won't have won it yet well in, 19, in the 1990-91 season yeah. this was the format which Bo- was the Boca, first of the short championship seasons in inverted commas short championship well exactly but it had this format so yeah. it was two short seasons but there was only one champion yeah. Newell's under Bielsa won the first one the first round and then Boca won the second one Newell's won the final so Newell's have the title but on Boca's website they they claim it as a title they claim it as a title mm. yeah. and given that we've had 21 years or 22 or however many it is of the short seasons and clubs used to having you know if you, if you win six months you're champion I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of people put it you know it'll, it'll be up on the website yeah. initial 2014 winner whatever yeah um, for sure um, 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. That's, that's how, the, how the people, the El Pueblo, is, is the phrase that Leprechaun actors use, um, are reacting to it. As I say, I don't think they've really noticed yet. The um, main problem is about the, the averages, right? Of course, yeah, that's, that's from next season as well. The, the points average table is going to be continued to be to be used the same way that it is at the moment, but we won't have any relegation playoffs. It's going to be a straight three down, three up, um, which is going to be interesting in a way. San Lorenzo would have been relegated this season if that had been the case. Mm. Um, and of course, Central would have would have come up. Central, no, sorry, Instituto. Yeah, uh, that would have come up. Yeah. They finished third in, in the yeah. Nacional B. Um, so yeah, there's there's that change as well. But it's, it strikes me pretty much as a fairly cosmetic change. Yeah, there's only only one official champion per season, but it's really it, it's still the the short championships and and still the the, the points average is more of a an issue. It, it's more of a, a city system. Than the final be fun championship there. Itself. It, potentially, yeah, potentially very much so. Um, there is that. Is, is, is it going to make it harder for smaller clubs to win the title as well? Is, is the other question? Because if you win the short championship, then okay, you've managed to get yourself into the final, and so you've got a, a shot at it. But you'd still expect if it was going to be, say, I don't know, uh, Lanús against Boca or whatever, Boca would be still huge favourites in any match where, where there's a trophy at stake. They, they've got that experience, and you can probably no. see Australian dance clock ticking as I wait for <laughs> no, no 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 you're, you're right I mean and I suppose one of the problems as well has always been hasn't it that Argentine that the sides Banfield the perfect example the sides that win the particularly the upper yeah. order uh, to the first half of the season winning being crown champions in December they always end up selling their, their squads mm, off which is where they pretty they? much in the first transfer window that's opened so Banfield um, I don't think they immediately sold off. I mean, they they sold off you know, Seba Fernandez, Silva, um, James Rodriguez, and all the the other players, uh, Edviti. So there's that. That's the problem. That if you yeah. if, if to win the first, if you win the inicial, and then you get rid of a couple of players, because obviously if you win the fin, uh, final, you play then it. you're already on the map as well. You exactly. just won the title, so you. Well, that, that was kind of why they got rid of the system yeah, originally, wasn't it? It was one of the reasons. I mean, all these systems are flawed, right? Mm. The, the current system that system mm-hmm. like, yeah. right. I can't see what the huge floor in a, a simple 38 match <laughs> everybody plays each other home and away it's just ludicrous it's just too straightforward and understandable and you're right sorry we're in Argentina John I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting my place um, Wes Thompson Wes1888 asks um, does class play a role in choice of team to support are there some teams that are more associated with the working or upper classes for example in Brazil Fluminense um, have always been more associated with the real upper classes and Flamengo with the working class. Um, I personally don't think that there's quite the same thing with that in Argentina. Something that gets very, very frequently dropped out is that Boca are the team of the people and River are the team of the rich. Um, you go beyond Buenos Aires, certainly beyond Buenos Aires and even in Buenos Aires, and the idea that River have no poor fans and that Boca have no rich fans is just ludicrous. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The mayor of Buenos Aires, who's one of the biggest capitalists in the country, is the former president of Boca Juniors, a lifetime fan of him. Yeah, I would agree with that. I've mentioned yeah. before that, that I uh, hope that I'm not just saying this because I'm a River fan and getting defensive. Um, I think I mentioned it before when Seba was here, and Seba actually agreed with me. Um, I don't know what you, how you two say. No, totally. You see a lot of cartoneros, the guy who pick up cardboard on the street wearing River jerseys as, as much as Boca jerseys, and you, you talk to Guys working in offices or you know, uh, executives who are who are Boca fans. So was, uh, yeah, 
that's the cliche that exists, but then I think it's really cool. uh, the roots are those are the roots for yeah, sure, of course, yeah. for sure. Because at the beginning, when you know when river moves away from from the area of the Boca when where they where they started, um, but yeah, absolutely. Under Macri as the president, took over '96. The identity in Boca completely changed. It's a very expensive ground to go to. There's no there's no sense that uh, it's a place where you know less well-off supporters can go and watch football because that's just simply not the case. No. So um, there is, the, but the, the, it happens in other cities as well, in Cordoba, in Rosario as well. Um, there is an extent, but as you said, it's kind New, of... New, New, yeah, like in Rosario, Newell's is supposedly the more upper-class team and, and exactly. they're like La Canasha, the gang, the, the yeah. street kids. Uh, and again, it's, it's largely bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> as much as we can see, I, I've been to Rosario once for a few days, which was uh, five years ago, um, so I'm you know, not pretending to, to be speaking from a, a position of great authority on, on in terms of their demographic mix, but I can't see very much in it. The, the biggest divide, I would say, is that Boca tends to be the team of the tourist. Which I say with a smile on my face and tongue firmly planted. Uh, well, it, it's true that Although Argentines have also told me that. I've, I've tickets. Had, I've had Independiente fans have, have asked me who I support, and when I tell them River, they've broken out into a smile and gone, well done. Every other fucking foreigner I meet is a Boca fan. <laughs> there is, um, it is more expensive as a tourist to go to, if you get one of the, the tours, it's far more expensive to go and see the Super Classico at Boca than it is at River. Yeah. And that's, that, that's not that it's cheap if you go to River. No, 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 of course, absolutely not. But these are prices that the, tip that the clubs themselves set. Do you know what they and, and Boca's are an, an awful lot more expensive. First leg of the Copa Libertadores, going in, going with one of the tour groups, which in the case of La Bombonera is the only way that you can get into the stadium for any match, never mind the Libertadores mm. final. Um, for a popular, one thousand two hundred pesos. Wow. Uh, for those listening, it's about four. It's almost exactly four point five um, pesos to the dollar at the moment. So I'll leave you to work that out yourselves. It's well over two hundred dollars to get in, and that's that's the cheap seats with a face value of about eighty pesos for non-members. Um, Rob El Bueno uh, asks us: Do you think Alejandro? Do you think if Alejandro Faulin gets back to his level from before his injury, he could play for Argentina? Such a shame Seba's not here to answer this, although I know what he'd say. Uh. Um, I'm a huge fan of him, and... Even though you're a Chelsea fan, Joel. It's got nothing to do with it, mate. It's, 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 uh, this is objective analysis, mate. The, um, he's, he's a brilliant player, and he's, he's the kind of player who would fit in really, really well to, 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 into the centre midfield. Um, but by the same token that he's at QPR, so, and obviously been injured, but he's at QPR, a club that it doesn't have the same... Um, uh, attention that you know, Man, Man United, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal have in Argentina, and that, this is a very important issue. Yeah. It, shouldn't, yeah, yeah. it shouldn't be, but it's it's the way it is. But by the same token, Faulin also doesn't have it um, in Argentina, so yeah. he moves to QPR from Instituto, uh, second division side. Um, he's moved around a couple of clubs in the in the youth teams. He was at River, he was at Central, very very briefly. Point is. He doesn't have a, a solid, a big sort of fan base mm. that demand yeah. that he's uh, he's given a he's given if, a go. If he were an ex-River or Boca player playing very mediocrely, let's say, if mediocrely is well, <laughs> uh, for Man United or Man City, he would stand a far better chance of getting into the Argentine national side than being an ex-Instituto player playing stunningly for the Queen's Park Rangers Absolutely. or Fulham or whatever. Absolutely. Um, without meaning any disrespect, of course, to, to be the Queen's Park Rangers or to Fulham, who my best friend supports. Um, so there, uh, John J A S P V J on Twitter asks: The transfer season has seen a lot of big name targets for the Brasileiro. 
uh, will the Primera, the Argentine Primera, be a big lure this year or soon? No. There's, there's no money here. Mm. Well, simply what if there is in Brazil? Uh, or at least there are clubs who, such as, uh, uh, is my understanding, Botafogo are doing with Clarence Seedorf and basically breaking their wage structure and getting into even more debt to, to pay him enormous wages. Um, whereas that's just uh, Brazilian, uh, Argentine clubs just don't have the same either economic clout or ability to get banks to lend them money as, as Brazilian clubs do. Uh, I don't know whether, whether Christian, maybe you have a. Anything to say on, on that? We, we won't be talking yeah, to Cristiano yeah, in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah Inter, Internacional, for example, they, they brought uh, Furlan now as well. Mm. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And uh, Corinthians with the, the. What's his name? Martinez. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Um, I think it's, it's, very, it's very simple economics. The, the, the market. In, in Brazil, it's just enormous. I mean, Flamengo have almost as not quite, but there are thereabouts as many supporters as Argentine has people. Mm. So you know, yeah. this market is is complete. It's completely different. But but yeah, that is why there's there's a lot more money, um, obviously, that the Brazilian clubs are able to tap in. Even though it's not just it's not the clubs, is it? It's, it's, as, you, as you mentioned, it's the the sponsors or people backing, which Argentine Argentina does have. They do have investment groups. They do have people that just pay for players. Some are like Tinelli. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. Tinelli, who, who people may not know, but is um, he's. I mean, he runs these sort of strictly come dancing. If if you don't know, X-rated, X-rated really version. I've, I've the point, the soft really, point version of yeah, dancing yeah, so with he, the stars. Exactly, exactly. But uh, it's but, gone down market this week. I've reading our friend Adrian. It's gone Bono's, down uh, market. Oh yeah, there's no dancing on it anymore. It's just people taking off clothes in, in front of the camera at <laughs> seven o'clock in the evening. <laughs> Um, NP.L asks a question we've really kind of already answered but I just want to make her um, aware that we're not ignoring her, Bocca's new number 10 uh, which we've kind of gone over already um, Shiva L- Shivam LM asks since you're missing the wrestling elements of your podcast who should wrestling sign before the Primera starts? Richard who they have signed yeah. uh, Jose Sand is a good signing as well as we've already mentioned uh, I think Suvel Dia is going to be pretty pleased with the deals he's done so far um, they could potentially use a, a, to shore up the back line a, a centre back maybe um, and also Lucas Leach's current status seems to be up in the air no one's quite sure whether he's going to stay or go that's the, the left back um, but I think they've done a pretty good job so far at least Conan Riquelme asks obvious one should Boca attempt to replace Riquelme? If so, who could do the job, as we say? Another one that's, that's kind of already been answered. He also says, with none of the stronger sides distracted by the Libertadores, who are favourites for the title. Um, which, as we've already mentioned, the title's going to be decided in, in a year's time when some of the stronger sides will be distracted by the Libertadores. Um, kind of interesting that the Afro have already set the date for the, the, the title-deciding match. It's going to be on the 30th of June next year, they've decided who knows when the Libertadores final is going to be and whether that might happen say to fall in the weekend that comes between the two legs of the final if so and, and if the same team reach both um, you could see it postponed so I'm not really quite sure why the AFA have done it so far in advance but in short in terms of the, the actual the Argentine league title and the, champions, uh, the title of champions of Argentina um, it's not going to be like previous Apertores where the fact that the, the Libertadores isn't an issue is going to potentially mean that you'd favour the stronger sides it's um, I mean in one way you would favour them to finish top of the the NECL at least but it's, it's not going to be quite the same dynamic yeah I guess it would sort of be like how, how far ahead they can get teams like Boca and Vélez yeah um, 
Yeah. I'm pretty excited about Newell's now after we, we hyped Maxi so much, so maybe that's a good show. Were you excited about them before we started talking about Maxi 15 minutes like ago? I was semi-excited and then now I'm really excited. <laughs> There's an image for you, listening. <laughs> <laughs> Conan also asks, uh, no, no, sorry, I've done that one already. Um, Fufanatico asks, now that Riquelme is retired, will Martin Palermo make a comeback at Boca? <laughs> Uh, no. John? Possibility. <laughs> Possibility because, sorry, no, just, uh, he, he was in the, running for the uh, Studiantes job and he said, you know, if they come knocking, I'm, I'm ready. Mm. He want, He's really keen to get into management and I think he quite wants to take on a, a club like mm. basically the one he's played for, Studiantes <laughs> or Boca. Yeah. But, um, never know. You never know. I, I wouldn't be too surprised I kind of hinted at this in, in a piece I did for uh, ESPN Soccernet right after the second leg of the Libertadores um, Riquelme has retired twice from the Argentine national team and then was saying just a few months ago when he was in really good form well if Sabella gave me a call then you know I'd have to think about it it wouldn't surprise me at all if he spent six months out of football or a different club or whatever and then somehow Boca managed to get him back yeah. again it's you know well that's, it's, one, of, that's one of the options carry isn't it? that's one of the options because he's still got uh, two years on his contract yeah. Yeah. to put him so, pressure on Falcioni as well people would want him out well if, if Falcioni doesn't win his first and loses, loses say you know, yeah. three of the first four five yeah. it's you know so it's it, if you're watching from abroad and if you're listening from abroad sorry and, and particularly if you're a Barker fan I wouldn't get too worried about this necessarily being the last we'll ever see of Riquelme in a, in a Boca shirt. It might well be, but at the same time, I don't think it's anything like as nailed on as pretty much all of the media are, are reporting it. It, would, um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he does come back. Um, uh, Joshua Bramlett, Soy Bocense, on Twitter asks, are Boca as cash-strapped as I think they are? Well, it completely depends on how cash trapped. <laughs> Indeed, which no, are not being funny, but but yeah. So the point is, they are. Yeah, <laughs> they have to sell, and they've made no doubt about this. And it's become a uh, bit of a battle between the current board and the president uh, Daniel Angelisi and the previous board, President uh, Jorge Amial, who Amial said that they they were making like twelve million dollars profit, and Angelisi said six months after taking over, they had five million dollar debt. So there's there's a lot of problem, just discrepancies, let's say, over how to how to interpret the account. Yeah. But but there's no no two ways about it. They have to sell, and they have to sell to the tune of six million dollars. Excellent. Uh, I say excellent, of course. I'm, I'm a real fan, so I would say that. Um, <laughs> Igor Stanislav, whose Twitter handle is Igor Stanislav, asks uh, something. We've already mentioned this actually, um, uh, or we've hinted towards it earlier in the pod. Are there any good players left at Vélez after this summer? They've sold Barro Vero, uh, they've sold Juan Manuel Martinez, they've sold Victor Zapata, they've got uh, Hector Canteros. Yeah, there was a question yeah. about Canteros as well, wasn't it? I think that was too. I think that was added to me. Okay. Um, so we'll get on to yeah, it. Yeah, they've got Ivan Villa as well, the uh, the wide midfielder. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from uh, and you always, Villa is one of those teams you always expect to to. Yeah, to bring players through from their youth system. Well, they have lost obviously is, yeah. is experience. Yeah, and they, and, you know, th- I think when they lost Ricky Alvarez and and Morales in particular, obviously they lost Silver in the same transfer window. But in those two players, they lost just that little bit of acceleration mm-hmm. and that 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 bit of pace. Not in the case of Alvarez, but just you know overall just the kind of the, the speed and it's obviously exactly that the spark. Well, with these players, they've lost that. They've lost experience yeah. with Martinez and, and Zapata in the midfield, 
uh, that's particularly what they'll they'll miss. They've also they've got another player at, at right back whose name is Gino per- Peruzzi. Peruzzi, I was right. thinking of, um, who has yeah. only played a few matches for them, but was arguably the most impressive player on either side uh, during the two legs of their Copa Libertadores. Yeah, he's a really good prospect. Mar- Neymar mm-hmm. out of both of those matches. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Neymar. Um, made one contribution during that time which was that he was the one who was fouled by Barrobero just just outside the box when Barrobero was sent off during the second leg but other than that anonymous um, throughout the game and largely playing against Peruzzi and Peruzzi's a 19 year old uh, right back with something like three or four matches if that of first team experience for Vélez prior to those ties starting Um, so it's you know as, as Joel says, Vélez have lost experience, but it's not as if they don't have any promising. Yeah, I can see them moving um, Cubero, who who usually plays yeah. right back as their captain. I can see them. He can also play defensive midfield. I can see them moving him into defensive midfield to replace Zapata, and Peruzzi starting to 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 play from the start at right back. So, and I'm sure they've got young players coming through as well. Absolutely. Um, well, now I'm going to get on to a couple of questions that were asked to me without the hashtag. Um, the first is from Nilo, whose username is cheekyfucker underscore. <laughs> <laughs> um, who says, who should take a risk on Maradona as manager? And will Maxi be welcome to We've answered the second of those already. The answer to the first one is nobody. Are you mad? Um, <laughs> in short, uh, d- should anybody take a risk on Diego Maradona? Maybe he means Hugo Maradona, I don't know. There was a Chinese side. Oh, yeah. We we're going to bring him over for, for a million dollars for three months. So that's original. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like, <laughs> no, nobody in Argentina, at least, we're now being uh, prompted to plug Dan's laptop in or find an alternative power source. Yeah, how many questions for that? We've got it on a couple. Really, uh, really quickly. Lamy Kuhn, big transfers in out. We've talked about that one already. Favourites, we've. We'll talk about that closer to the start of the next championship, probably. With the continental schedule effect size, we've done that. How will River do? As I said, I don't think it'll be easy. Um, it's a lot's going to depend on how they start, I think, and, and what the subsequent pressure on the side is. Uh, but without the pressure of a, an already awful points average, uh, they should do. I think they'll be okay. Um, best transfer so far. My nomination is Barrovero for River, as, as we already hinted at. One of the best goalkeepers in South America. Um, moving to the side who probably do need to shore up their, their defence in order to be mm. a little more confident Mercado is also a great shot I think Rivers two deals so far have been super and of course Maxi Rodriguez that we talked about and I think another good one we haven't mentioned is Roman Martinez going to Estudiantes this close and for the benefit of listeners who, who obviously can't see me I'm holding my fingers very close together <laughs> to Sani for Boca um, and ended up going to Estudiantes instead that's, yeah, a, that's a really good call. Yeah, and he's been reunited with Kanya, Diego mm-hmm. Kanya, obviously who's at who's the coach at at the Studiantes. Yep, uh, obviously he'll be taking on that kind of Veron role in midfield as, as a, a creative. Hub. He, he was brilliant. He yeah, was brilliant for Tigre. Superb player. Just last season, and he has been over the last couple of years, but yeah. obviously particularly Sean. Given the the difference was, I think that he wasn't getting injured. I mean, he wasn't yeah. missing games, and he's quite a big personality as well. That could be yeah. a, an issue. He's quite, um, I don't know. He seems to be getting in, in fights with with the press and other players a fair bit. But and another huge one actually is one that's not been gone through yet, but that might not be a million miles away from being completed. Is Denis Trakwadorsi moving to San Lorenzo? Um, he was on loan at Everton, and he doesn't have a deal with with Tigre. He, he wasn't on loan from Tigre. Uh, he was on loan from the the people who, who own him. Um, 
and yeah if, if he goes to San Lorenzo which, which now looks far more likely than, than going back to Tigre that, that could be a big signing for them well speaking of strikers and San Lorenzo they've been very linked with Fernando Cavanaghi who doesn't he's yeah. said he's, he's done with moving so he wants to he wants to stay in Argentina wants to stay in Buenos Aires so he was, he's been linked with, with as I said with San Lorenzo may go to it was Lanús were also mentioned, yeah. but but whoever gets him though, because he's he's a free agent, mm, um, and he's a you know he's a brilliant goal scorer, and for the Argentine game he'll score guaranteed ten oh, goals, yeah. ten goals a, a short season. Absolutely. Um, the final one, Gian Guan, who's whose uh, Twitter handle is Polar Panda G, asks a quick question about Canteros. How was his development progress? Um, I've been really impressed with his performance, in particularly in the Argentina Brazil, the the domestic squad mm-hmm. matches. Yeah, the Argentine Pirlo. Uh, <laughs> no, this is related to what I was talking about before with Zapata. I think he'll like he he hasn't been playing all the time because he, he occupies a similar role to Zapata. And I think he does it better than Zapata. Uh, so hopefully he'll be starting a bit more. And well, I think we'll see him. I think he's a fantastic player. He's a mm. lovely player. But you're right. But the hype is still from that game, which was in September of last year. Yeah, so but in a, in a few occasions I've seen him, he's still done very well. He's no, still no. got that lovely passing game, and so. I think if he's given a chance to have a run, yeah, uh, consecutive matches, I think he'll he'll kind of emerge as a, as a European uh, transfer target as well. Magnificently timed that answer because Dunst Computers just died on us, and that was the last question, um, which probably also tells us we've been recording for too long. Uh, it, it's nearly an hour and half, an hour and a half now. Um, so we will say for the moment, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. I don't think we have anything else to to cover in the meantime. Um, Christian, we do have something else to cover in the meantime. Our listeners must be wondering, what on earth are you doing here? Are you really writing just about us? Poor little hand of You're studying uh, how people uh, from foreign countries come into to new countries and, and relate to the football culture in yeah, there. Right? Yeah, basically what they think about uh, football cultures, like their own culture, uh, culture the place where they're from and the place where they are so it's a bit like something so, like that so if any of our listeners have heard uh, sort of scratching scribbling noises in the background <laughs> during this it's because Christian believe it or not has been taking notes on, on our recording process um, has been taking notes on how much Fernet we've drunk during it as well um, God knows how he's going to turn it into something academically sound but we wish you the very best of luck thank uh, you thank you for, for coming um, uh, thank you I don't know whether either of you two have any questions for Christian that you might think our listeners would find interesting or uh, no that's enough <laughs> I'll give everything before you guys arrive I'm, I'm still just overwhelmed that that somebody is putting hand a pot into an academic <laughs> Paper. I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to reading it. As, as we said during our half-time break, I'd be surprised if it ends up in the academic paper and now that he's seen how we record it. Um, but thank you very much for coming, Christian. Um, thank you. And, and we'll say uh, goodbye for now, first of all, from, from Christian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye from Joel. Goodbye. Goodbye from Aussie Dan. Bye-bye. And uh, goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.